Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Now, I want to ask you to do this. This is something very simple, but it takes a lot of intentionality. I want to ask you to pray with me, but not just closing your eyes and letting me pray and you just kind of nodding along, but I want you to ask God for what you've been believing for ever since the last time we were at camp. Now, some of you may say, this is my first time. I've never been here before. Well, just think back. What's that thing you've been asking God to do in your life specifically? The thing that you've been saying, man, if I can just get through this, or if I can get healed from this, or if I can move on past this, my life will go to a whole new place. I want you to get that in your mind right now. And when I pray, I'm going to pray out loud over the mic to cover you, but I want you to pray not in your mind, but I want you to open your mouth. You don't have to be loud enough so everyone can hear you, but I want you to open your mouth and pray and bring that thing to the Lord and let him know, Lord, I'm here. And I'm believing that in your presence, we sang this earlier, it's from the word, there is freedom, freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're going to believe that right in this place that God is going to take care of those things, heal people emotionally, physically. Listen, some of you guys have gone through trauma in your lives and you're like, man, if I can just get past that, then I can do what God has for me to do. I want you to be bold and bring that to God. I want you to be bold and say, Lord, here I am. I don't want anything to stop me from receiving everything that you have for me in this life. Can you guys do that with me? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's focus. Don't be thinking about anyone else. Get your mind set. Let's pray to our God who is faithful. Father, we call out to you because you are God, the good Father. Lord, we pray even now. There are so many prayer requests being lifted up right now. Young people all over this building, leaders all over this building, lifting up prayer requests to you. Lord, there are things in our lives that we know only you can heal. So, Lord, we submit those things to you. Oh, God, we submit every single one. We say heal, oh, God. Heal, Father, those deep hurts. Lord, speak and breathe confidence into those who have lost their confidence. Father, heal those wounds from mothers or fathers. Heal those wounds from family members or friends. Lord, do what only you can do. And Lord, we again, we say we open our hearts to you tonight. Holy Spirit, do what only you do. As we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and that you would read them like a book, oh God. Whatever's in there that even we're afraid to bring up, Lord, I pray that even now in this place, your spirit is in this place, that even now you begin to to cut even between a joint and marrow, Father, that you begin to make it so evident that you're working. And Lord, I specifically pray for those who may be afraid to come to you. Lord, you're such a loving Father, such a caring and gracious Father. As Pastor Brandon mentioned, Lord, you initiated this relationship. So I I declare that any lie that we should be afraid to approach you, any misunderstanding, we tear those things down and replace it with the truth. You're calling your people to you. So Father, here we are. We're coming, Lord. We're saying, yes, we want you. We will draw near, and your promise is that you will draw near to us. Let this be a week that literally changes our lives. We receive it by faith today. If you agree with me, can you shout out amen? Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. Anybody bring a Bible today? That was very weak. <laughs> All right, let's do it like this. Where are the girls at? Girls, let me see your Bibles. You have Bibles? All right, all right, all right. Guys, I'm giving you time, okay? Find your Bibles, okay? You got to go to the cabin. That's not going to work, bro. All right, guys, where are your Bibles? Where are your Bibles? Can you guys do this with me? Let's all hold our Bibles up nice and high. Let's hold them up nice and high. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Put them down. I just had an idea. Put them down. Does anybody know what a Bible drill is? This is like old school church. Anybody know what a Bible drill is? Some of you are like, yay, we know. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. <laughs> I want you to do, we're going to have a Bible drill. Get ready, okay? It's called a sword drill in some places. I'm going to call out a verse, and I want you guys to try to find it as fast as you can. And whoever finds it first, I want you to stand up, okay? I'm watching. I got a couple of leaders. Can you guys watch too? I want to make sure I don't accidentally pick the wrong person. You guys ready? Oh, you see, you look ready. Here we go. Here we go. I want you to find Second Hesitations, Chapter 3. Go, 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 go. What happened? Okay, okay, good. Some of you are like, well, I don't got to find that, right? That's not a book of the Bible, okay? Sorry, sorry. Everybody makes mistakes. No, for real this time, for real this time. I want you to find John chapter 10, verse 27. Go, 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 go. Come on, the clock is ticking, it's ticking, it's ticking. What? The birthday boy? What? What? <laughs> Do we give it to the birthday boy or what? Wait, here's a, here's a, a young person who found it. Let's see. Did you really find it? John 10, 27. Let's see if she found it. Listen up. I want you to read it nice and loud, okay? Listen to what this verse says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Is that correct? Yeah, read it again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Give it up. What's your name? Abby did it. She found it first. She is super fast. Notice what Abby just read. My sheep hear my voice. They know it and they follow me. Who's that speaking? Anybody know? That's Jesus speaking, right? Jesus is saying, if you're one of my sheep, then you hear my voice, you recognize that voice, and you follow me. I want us to do something today. I want us to do a simple declaration, because we're going to declare by faith that we are God's sheep, and we are the people who hear his voice, and that we're expecting to hear his voice tonight. Go ahead and get those Bibles up nice and high. Nice and high. We're going to put this up on the screens. Some of you were here a couple years ago. We did this when I spoke. It's okay if you don't. It's on the screen for all of us. But I want us to say this together. Just a simple declaration that we are the sheep of God. We hear his voice. Let's do this. Ready? Go. I am a child of God. He speaks to me, and I hear his voice. So I open my heart to hear God speak through his word today. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. As you guys are finding that, I want to show you some of the most important people in my life. You guys got that picture of my family? Can you throw that up there? Check this out. Oh, that's my crew right there. So let me introduce you guys. So my wife is actually here. So the picture, she looks beautiful there, but man, in real life, good night. That's my wife's star right there. I absolutely love her. We've been married 15 years, guys, 15 years. So much fun. That beautiful girl right there in front of me, that's my daughter, Judea. She is six years old, and my goodness, I am in love with her. And then that handsome young man there is my son, Joshua. He is 10 years old. He loves to fish. So we were actually at a uh, church, a church lake. We were fishing for his birthday. A bunch of his friends came, and they caught. How many fish did Josh catch that day? 
more than 16 fish. How many of you have never even caught a fish in your life? Yeah, I get it, right? This young man loves to fish. He caught 16. His friends caught a bunch. You all right, bro? You good? All right, you're just excited. You're on the edge of your seat. I get it. This is my family. I love these people so, so very much. Listen, that's, I get to stand up here and show you pictures of my family, but I want you to do this. As the week goes on, I would love the opportunity to meet you. Maybe hear about your family a little bit. Hear about what God's doing in your life or has done or you're desiring that he does. Because it's really cool for me to stand up here, but look at all of you with all these great stories. I want to hear from you, okay? So can we just agree right now? Let's find each other, give each other a high five, and at least tell me a little bit about your family. Can we do that? I like it. I like it. All right, you guys find Romans chapter 12 yet? If you didn't find it, don't worry about it. You're not going to find it tonight. Just watch on the screens. Romans chapter 12, I want to read starting at verse number three. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. You may not have that. That's okay. But you can follow along on the screens if you need to. Listen to this. Romans chapter 12 verse three says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. This is interesting that he's writing this letter to the churches in Rome, although he has never at this point been to Rome. He's writing this letter to people that he knows are brothers and sisters in Christ, but he has not yet met them. Listen to this. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. It's a way to start a letter, huh? Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies are many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse six says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, well, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, listen to this, do it gladly. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I wanted to open here because sometimes when you read the Bible, you read something, and if you're not careful, you can just kind of read through it pretty quickly and just keep going on to the more popular verses, like, let me get to the ones I know, you know. But I'm convinced that every time we open the scripture, every time we approach it with an open heart, that God has something that he wants to say. How many of you like when God speaks to you? Anybody at all? Good. That's about 30% of us. Let me ask one more time, just in case the numbers are a little off. How many of you like when God speaks to you? Anybody? Excellent. Okay, good. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says this. Because of this privilege and the authority that God has given me, he says, I, I give each of you this warning. Now, now notice a warning. Anybody tells me, if anybody tells me they're going to warn me of something, I want to pause and really lean in. And notice what he says. Don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> How many of you know we, we as people have problems with that? Yeah, right? We don't really want to raise hands on that one. But yes, deep down inside, the truth is a lot of times we think we're better than we are. We had a professor in Bible college who told us this. He said, you're not as good as you think you are but you're also not as bad as you think you are. 
And to me, that was actually a humbling thought. Like, oh, you're right. <laughs> not, not nearly as good as you think you are, but actually not as bad as you think you are either. The truth of the matter is, it's easy for us as humans to allow pride to creep in our hearts, and we begin to elevate our own thinking about us and who we are and what we do. But notice the apostle is giving us a warning here, and he's saying, don't think you are better than you really are. Instead, be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as your bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. I want you to do this. Everybody lift your left hand. Now go ahead and lift your right hand. Now lift both hands. How many of you, put your hands down, how many of you are left-handed? Nice. Go ahead and put your hands down. How many of you are right-handed? Okay. <laughs> Quite a few of you. How many of you know that if, if, if today, today, those of you who are left-hand dominant didn't have your left hand, life would be a little more difficult? Well, how many of you know if you, those of you who are right-hand dominant, if you didn't have your right hand, life would be a little more difficult? But isn't it cool that you have two hands and that you're able to really work with both of them? Maybe a dominant hand, but also your other hand really helps you. Anybody play sports in this place? What's your favorite sport? Oh, you can go ahead and answer then. Go ahead. <laughs> Soccer. What about you? Gymnastics. Huh? Yeah. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Probably soccer. You got a couple of them. You had to think, huh? I like that. How about you back there, sir? Yes, sir. Football. Right up here. Yep. Softball. Anybody have something that's not been mentioned? You back there. Yes, sir. Yep. Wrestling. Right here. Say it again. Volleyball. One more that hasn't been mentioned right there. Yes, sir. Basketball. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Pastor Aaron, he know he can't see me on the basketball court, but... uh. That's a joke. He will kick my tail. Don't cut that out. Hey, truth of the matter is, how many of you know without, without the ability to use your dominant hand or, or your, even your offside hand, without the ability to use those hands, if you had no hands or if you had no feet or if you had no legs, do you know it just makes it a little more difficult to play those sports? I like what the Apostle Paul is setting up for us. I want us to continue reading. Listen to what he says. Just like our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, it's just this same way with Christ's body. Now, we are the body of Christ. All of us who are made up, who have given our lives to Jesus, make up the body of Christ. But he says, just like each one has a special part in your body, the same thing, it's, like, it's the same way in Christ's body. He says, we are many parts, but of one body, and we all belong to each other. Verse 6, in God's grace, He's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Anybody know how to cook in this place? Now, what do you know how to cook? <laughs> That's the question. Cereal and sandwiches do not count. Anybody still know how to cook? <laughs> what do you cook? Is that like your favorite, like your best meal that you cook? What's your best? Lasagna, come on, right here. You can cook salmon? How old are you? And you can cook salmon? Bro, I can't cook salmon. Good job. That's awesome. Somebody else, what do you cook back there? Cube steak. You guys are kidding me, right? Right here. Pancakes? Oh, now we're talking. That's the good stuff. One more, right there.
wait, 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 did you hear this? She said, well, I, I like to bake myself, and I make homemade cupcakes with cherry frosting. Give it up for her. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> Listen to this. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Some people cook well. Some people excel in sports. Some people are absolute brainiacs, just extremely intelligent. They excel in those things. Isn't it amazing how we can see some of this, and we look in the Scripture, and we realize, wait a minute. God has also given us abilities to do certain things well. And I love what the prophets, excuse me, the apostle says. He says, if he's given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If he's given you the gift of serving other people, well, then serve them well. If he's created you to be a teacher, well, listen, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, what should you do? Be encouraging. If it's giving, then you should give generously. He goes on, leadership, showing kindness, all these things. This is what I want you to see today. Every single one of us, every single one of us, God has given gifts. He has specifically placed things inside of you so that you can do certain things well. But this is what I want you to see. Notice the apostle Paul didn't say, if the Lord has given you the gift of prophecy, then you should really go back to him and ask him to give you the gift of teaching instead. If he's giving you, let me, let me use one that, that, that doesn't seem as, as beautiful in our eyes, right? A lot of times we think this may be not the best gift. If he's giving you the gift of serving others, first of all, did you know serving others was a gift? I'll tell you this, the world will tell you, no, you know, no, 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 no. You need to be served. That's, that's when you really made it, when others can serve you. But the scripture is saying, no, if God has given you the precious gift of serving others, you should do it with a horrible attitude. Is that what it says? Instead, it says you should do it and do it well. Don't raise your hand on this, but I mean, how many of you honestly can check your heart and say, man, yeah, that's me. Like, man, I just all day, I'm just serving all day. There may be a few of us, but a lot of times we're like, no, I'd rather somebody serve me. I'd rather somebody else do it for me. Because the world tells us that's what really makes us great. But I want you to know something. We're not of this world. Can I say that again? We're not of this world. You see, let me tell you, I remember when I was, my goodness, in my early 20s, I remember praying to the Lord about what he, what he wanted to do in my life, what he wanted to, to use me for. And I remember the Lord began to show me stuff. Marcus, I've created you to be a teacher. I created you to communicate the word of God. And and, in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But then this little thought creeps in. Is that like the best gift or not? Because like, I really just want the best one, Lord. Like, you know, I'm all for you, Lord, whatever you want. So go ahead and give me the best one, right? But why is it that we don't see the gifts as real gifts the way God sees them as gifts. You see, the truth of the matter is that we live in a world where comparison is all day, every day. Come on, let's not pretend. Let's just, let's cut out the formalities. Let's get real. You you get on your computer, you get on your phone, you open any type of social media, and immediately you're struck with the temptation to compare yourself to what you see. And it's interesting that the things that we follow sometimes are the things that inside our flesh, we feel like that's what I want more of. I wish God gave me the gift of a million followers. Y'all are real quiet in this place. 
I really wish that I just, I just had that kind of charisma that she has because, man, her hair and, and, oh, and this, her eye color. And if I just had, oh, but him, man, if I could just work out like him, you know, but I'm studying so much I can't do that because I'm smarter than he is. It's comparison all the time. Why did anybody like that post? It wasn't really that good anyway. And he misspelled that. But let's be real with ourselves. The world has taught us to compare and compete because that's how they get you. They get your focus off of God and onto each other. But I want you to realize something. We are people of God. There is no need to compare amongst ourselves. That's foolishness, the scripture tells us. Instead, we look at the word of God and say, Lord, the only one I should be comparing myself to is your son, Jesus. So as I'm looking into your word, knock off the things of the world and put on the things of Christ. This is the type of lifestyle we have to learn to live. But if we keep looking at people, we'll end up just like them. And it may seem fulfilling now. But in the long run, it's empty. How many of you like Christmas presents? Anybody at all? Yeah. Pastor Josh, it's your birthday. Sorry, I don't have a gift for you. But uh, <laughs> do you like gifts, Pastor Josh? Do you enjoy them? Or is it fun to open up a present that's preciously wrapped for you? It's amazing. How many of you like when you, when you come down for Christmas? Everyone does Christmas different. But you like when you see presents under the tree and your name is on them. Anyone like those? Isn't that just like a real cool thing inside? Like, oh, snap, what's that, right? And, and the best part to me is the opening of the present, right? Because it's all preciously wrapped. And my wife, she does a phenomenal job wrapping gifts. But I love to just slowly rip these things apart. And I'm trying to guess, like, I wonder what this is. And we have a rule in our house we can't shake the present. So do you guys have that rule? No? Yeah, my dad, he doesn't put the names on the boxes. So then we, I get to guess which one is mine. Do you hear this? This is insanity. You want to ruin Christmas? No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. So he said his dad doesn't even put the names on them. You don't even know what gift is yours. See, my problem is I'll start shaking all of them. That's the issue, right? But when you open up a present, the fulfillment, yes, I like unwrapping it and, and ripping it and all that stuff. That's fun. But ultimately, the best part is when you see what it is. Like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. How did you know? That is awesome. But how many of you know, if you went under your Christmas tree one year and the best looking box was, was had your name on it, bro. It actually had your name this time, right? And, and, and you're like, man, that looks amazing. And it looks about the size of the thing that I actually wanted. I think that might be it. And you, Christmas morning comes and you start to rip that gift open. And once you rip it open, it's just an empty box. How would you feel? Sad? <laughs> Mad? <laughs> this guy said his soul would be ripped in half. <laughs> That's intense. Listen, the truth is, you would think, who's so cruel to do this? But I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. That's what Satan is doing to people every day. You see, Satan only can offer counterfeits. He's not the originator of these kind of things. All he does is wrap up empty boxes and sell it to you. Say, look how pretty it is. Look how amazing it looks. Doesn't it look like something you want? Doesn't it? He wraps it in just the right color. The bow size is just right. And if you're not careful, you'll take that box. And you say, look what I got. <laughs> you guys don't have this. Look what I have. This is amazing. And as you begin to open that box, you're excited to see what's in it. And it's emptiness. 
You see, the truth of the matter is the enemy will lie to you all the time. He only knows how to lie. That's what he does. He only knows how to deceive. That's what he does. He only knows how to kill and destroy. That's what he does. But Jesus said it this way. The thief doesn't come, speaking of Satan, but are except to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come. But I have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. That's like a to the full overflowing life of God's goodness. He's saying my boxes are not empty. You see, it may be harder to get to, but if you follow me, I'll walk you through. And in the process of walking towards the presence and the gifts that I have for you, I'm going to knock things off of your life that are going to actually make it enjoyable for you when you open it. Listen, somebody hear me tonight. God has something for you that is far better than what the world offers you. The world will lie to you and deceive you right to hell but God wants to take you use you clean you get you ready to go put you on display so you can look like Jesus and take you to be with him forever this is how our God flows this is how he works but we have to make a decision to see what he sees see the apostle sees something he goes listen these things are gifts these things are from the Lord serving people is a blessing how many of you know someone who is an encourager Every time you're around them, they just encourage you. Anybody? Like, those people are so awesome, right? Like, you get around them, and you're having a horrible day. You're just walking out of the house like, man, my hair don't look right, and I don't, I forgot to brush my teeth, and all these things are going on. And then this encourager just comes, hey, you look wonderful today. And you're thinking, are you blind? Can you not smell, <laughs> right? Like, what's going on here? An encourager sees things inside of people and says, man, you know what? I, I saw you out there the other day, and they point out the good in you, and it does something inside of you. How many of you know that's a gift? But notice these gifts are not just for the person who has them. Didn't the apostle Paul tell us in the book of Acts? He said it's better to give than to receive. See, there's something about being able to give something to someone else that should bless us just as much as, we, as if, we, if we received it. See, when I give somebody something, like I, I've been married 15 years, man. Aaron, how long have you been married now? Six. Six years. Pastor Dale, where are you? How long have you been married, Pastor Dale? 30 years. Give it up for Pastor Dale. When I was just getting excited about being married, Pastor Dale was already at 15 years. That's awesome. I think that's great. Check this out. I've learned over the years... That blessing this woman is more fun than me receiving things from her. Now, babe, don't take that wrong. I still want gifts. Like, that's, like, okay. But when I get her something that I know, like, oh, I start to get giddy inside like a kid. Like, I can't, man, this is it, right? Like, oh, when she opens this, this is it. She's going to love me forever. This is awesome. But there's something about, I've just learned it over this time together, that something about blessing her blesses me. See, what if I didn't see it like that? What if I said, hey, I got you something that's over there, but let me see what you got me first. How do you think 15 years wouldn't have worked? <laughs> but instead, I'm looking at her and saying, Lord, what can I get her? I'm trying to listen to her conversation during the day when it's not her birthday, when it's not Mother's Day, when it's not Christmas. I'm trying to, trying to pick up on little keys like, oh, she likes that. We're going through the store. And she's like, oh, look at this candle, so nice. And I'm over here like, if we don't get out this candle store, but I'm taking mental notes at the same time. We don't get out this candle. What color was that? All right. <laughs> right? Because you know, when I get her the candle she likes, it blesses her. 
Paul's saying, I want you to see it this way. These are gifts, and he's given us these things so that we can do certain things well. Now, how many of you know someone who is quote-unquote nosy? <laughs> so many hands up. This is awesome. You're pointing. Don't point. <laughs> Don't point. Check this out. I looked this up because I thought this was really cool, right? A nosy person always wants to know what's going on. They're asking all the questions. They're prying deep, not just because they're genuinely concerned. They just want to be in the know, right? They're like, I want to know what's happening. So nosy people, this is hilarious to me. As an adjective, this word nosy, it means showing too much curiosity about other people's affairs, right? You're just, you're trying to be in other people's business. Uh, like a nosy neighbor who always wants to know, like, oh, where are you going? Uh, I'm, I'm heading to the grocery store. What are you going to get? <laughs> Groceries. What kind? The, the kind you get from the grocery store, right? They just want to know, what time will you be back? Oh, I'll be back. This, oh, um, I didn't see your daughter come home yet. Where's she? What? What are you talking about? Yeah, right? Depending on who it is, you're like, oh, hold up, bro. It's time to fight. No, I'm just joking. Don't fight. Okay, so listen. There are nosy people who want to know everything. They're always prying. They're extra inquisitive and curious. Some people call them busybodies because they're always probing or spying or eavesdropping, right? They are, in a sense, they're intrusive. They want to know everything. They're so concerned with everyone else. And the best thing you can tell a nosy person is what? Somebody tell me, what would you tell a nosy person? She said that with attitude, mind your own business, right? <laughs> you know, listen, th listen, that's the best thing you can tell a nosy person. Now, I know that's not a kind thing to say, but ultimately that's how you feel inside. Like, just mind your own business. You, you have your own life, going to live your life, I'm going to live mine. But how many of you know there's not a nice way to say that? Like, try it. M mind your own business. W would you mind just minding your own business? It just doesn't come off very nice, right? But listen, I truly, truly, truly believe that as we dig down into the root of some of the issues we're having in our culture that's bled into the church is the simple fact that we don't mind our own business. We're so concerned with everyone else. Remember when when Jesus and his disciples are together and, and they just caught some fish and Jesus helped fry some of them up. I mean, they're having a fish fry right there and Jesus got this going on. Jesus is talking to Peter, telling him, do you love me, Peter? And Peter's like, yeah, you know, and they're going through this whole thing. And, and Peter, Jesus is talking to Peter and Peter stops in the middle of talking to the Lord of all creation and says, yeah, but what about this guy? Now, I don't know about you, but I just don't think it's the right time to interrupt Jesus to ask about somebody else when he's dealing with you, right? So, so Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. And Peter, feed my shit. Oh, yeah, 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 I got you. And, you know, and he goes into this discourse. It's beautiful. And then Peter stops the whole thing and says, yeah, but what about him? Yeah, but we're not talking about him, Peter. Mind your own business. Look at your neighbor and smile as big as you can and say nicely, mind your own business. Now, I got to be honest with you. I got to tell you something honest. I'm not from Concord, North Carolina, even though that's where I live. I was not born there, not raised there. I'm actually from California, uh, born and raised in California. Uh, I was actually born in this place called Pomona, California. 
Uh, <laughs> it's a little funny because I joke with my daughter. She's six. You saw the picture. I tell her, I say, she goes, Dad, Mom was born in Hawaii, so she's Hawaiian. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Mom is Hawaiian. And she goes, well, and Mom is our mom, so we're Hawaiian. I'm like, okay, yeah, you guys got some Hawaiian in you. That's awesome. And she goes, but not you, Dad. Not you. I'm like, well, thank you. I thank you. You just told me something I didn't know, right? And I, I joke with them. And she goes, Dad, where were you born? I said, I was born in the hood. <laughs> That's for real. That's what I tell her. The problem is, one day we were out with some people, right? And you're out with people. And they're talking about different places. We were born here. And then my daughter goes, my dad was born in the hood. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That was for the family, right? <laughs> Listen, but the truth is when in Pomona, California, you don't say, mind your business. So because for, for some reason, we don't want to complete all of our words. So we say things like, mind your business. Y'all didn't hear me. Y'all like, what does that mean? Not mind your business. Mind your business, right? Because there's no nice way to say, hey, mind your business. What does that mean? Leave me alone. <laughs> What if we, as the one camp this summer, made the decision to say, I'm going to mind the business that God gave to me. He called me to be something. I'm not going to focus on him or her or she or they. I'm going to mind my business. Can you imagine what we would do with God working through us on this earth? If we decided to say, that's it, from this day forward, I'm minding my business. I need you to hear something, okay? We are running out of time. Right there, I like your hair, man. Your hair is awesome. Right there, with the, yes, you know, you don't look away. You, yes, sir, what's your name? Nazareth? Man, how come I didn't get a cool name like that? See, see, the comparison comes in right away, right? So check this out. Nazareth, can you do me a favor? Are you a loud person? Can you be loud for me? And I, I want you to tell the gentleman there in the red right there. Yes, sir, with those yellow letters. <laughs> Can you tell them as loud as you can? Tell them we're running out of time. No, can you tell Nazareth that we are running out of time, please, louder than he did? Is anybody loud in here? Can you tell them we're running out of time? No, no, no. Let's all say it on the count of three. One, two, three. We are running out of time. You got to hear me. Jesus is coming back soon. He's on his way back. Listen, Jesus is coming back. And to a lot of us, we get excited. Like, yeah, he's coming to get us. He's taking us out of here. But I want you to remember something. There are a lot of people who are not saved. Some people live in the house with you and they're not saved. And if Jesus was to come back right now, you may be excited, but they won't be. If Jesus was to come back right now, you may have to say goodbye to some of those friends because you won't be seeing them for the rest of eternity. See, Jesus is coming back, and there's no time left for comparison. we got to stop comparing and get to work. It's time for us to start doing what God has called us to do because he needs prophets, and he needs teachers, and he needs encouragers, and he needs people who are leaders to stand up and lead. And he's not looking at the old generation saying, good job, guys, you did so great. Let's just wait for the people to come and help us. No, he's looking at you and saying you are the now generation. It is time right now for you to stand up and do what God's called you to do. But it starts with minding your business. Mind your business. There you go. I like you. What is your name? Brianna. Brianna? You see, you heard my name is Brianna, and you better mind your business. <laughs> We're not waiting for someone to come rescue us. 
We are it. We are it. Look at your neighbor and say, we are it. Now I want to turn a corner here. I think this is important. Some of us have substituted the call and the gifting of the Lord for secular things. We've said, I know what God's called me to do, but I want to substitute that for something that appeases someone else. Maybe I'm embarrassed to tell my mom and dad that I want to go to Bible college because they might look down on that. So yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and be a doctor. There's nothing wrong with being a doctor, but is that what God is asking of you? Well, I don't want to tell my mom and dad that God's called me to drop everything when I graduate and, and go on the mission field because they're going to, they're going to really look down on me. I mean, my family has a lot of money and influence, and if I don't continue that, then what's going to happen? So instead of fulfilling God's plan, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and be a lawyer. They'll be happy with that. And you're right, they might be. But will he be? See, what would happen if a generation like us, I'm just throwing myself in there, is that okay? If we just made a decision to say, you know what? We're just going to start doing what Jesus said to do. We're going to just start living how Jesus said to live. Can you imagine if God did call you to be a doctor? Can you imagine this? Before you go into surgery, the doctor rounds up. Come here, all the nurses and everybody come here. Let's take some time to pray. <laughs> I don't know about you. That's the kind of doctors I want, right? Let's, come on, let's grab hands. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you've gift, given us these skills. We've gone to school to learn and things. Thank you for that. But you are the healer. Oh, can you imagine a doctor praying like that? But you are the healer. So we're looking to you. We need you to give us what we need to save this person's life. So guide us. Guide our hands. Guide our minds. Guide us as we do this surgery. Oh, man, that's the kind of doctor I want. Listen, some of you have this desire, this desire inside of you to, to defend and argue things. And, and it's been tough for you as you've been growing up because you felt like, man, there's just something in me. I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but there's just something in me. And you may think, I just need to go be a lawyer because then I can argue and get paid for it. But, but what if God has really gave you this, this apologetic type spirit? You're an apologist who defends the faith. So you can stand up and, and study the word of God and, and, and refute with those who argue against it. See, we have to slow down and say money is not our God. God is our God and he supplies our need. So as long as we're doing what he says, everything else falls into place. Is anybody hearing me in here? So as long as I stay focused on him, he'll take care of me. Listen, there are people in this room right now who are pastors, who are teachers, who are prophets. Who are, Listen, there are so many of you guys in here right in this place right now who in your heart you know God is saying these things to me. I've heard this before, but you're afraid. You're afraid. How do I know? I've been there. You think, really? No, you haven't. Yeah, I have. When I was in the sixth grade, Sitting in a church service no bigger than this middle section here. Guest speaker came to town. He's preaching to us. He stops and he points me out. Young man, stand up. Can you stand up for me, young woman? <laughs> he says this to me. He's talking to me. Young man, stand up. Points me out. Everyone's looking at me. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And I'm literally thinking that he's going to tell the whole room that I'm going to hell. <laughs> That's what was going through my mind. But you know what he said to me? He said, man, God has a plan for you. You're going to preach the word of God. You just watch. Now, see, here's the problem. 
guys. That sounds great. You can sit down. Thank you so much. That sounds cute and all like, oh, wow, God told you in front of everybody. Beautiful. But see, what the man didn't know was I was born into a house with a strung out dad who had a horrible record of crime. He was physically abusive to my mom. And I watched him at about three and a half, four years old, physically, physically assault my mom to the point where literally her right eye was swollen closed. And I laid in the bed that night watching this with just my eyes peeping out of the blankets. As I'm, as I'm watching this, there's this tension in me of wanting to help my mom, but being horribly afraid to do anything. My dad says these words. I can't forget these things. They're just in there. They're, they're like burned in. He says, I'll be back. And when I come back, I'm going to kill you. That's what he told my mom. He leaves out of the door. My mom scrambles herself to her feet. She goes, picks up the phone. She calls 911. She's crying. She's saying, please, just get here. Please get here before he gets here. So it seemed like a few seconds, but I guarantee it was longer than that. All of a sudden, my mom's getting up, pushing things against the door. She's trying to barricade the front door. And all of a sudden, I hear my dad come by the window, and I am dreadfully afraid. He tries to open the door, and he realizes something's blocking it. He begins to kick the door. He begins to yell and to curse, open this door. He's kicking the door, and the things that my mom put behind the door, they're moving slowly further away from the door. I'm laying in the bed, frozen. He finally gets the door open. My mom is in the furthest part of the, the room they were in. She's, we lived in a studio apartment. It was just me and my little brother and my mom and dad. She's in this corner crying hysterically. My dad comes in. He's walking towards her, and literally, like knights in shining armor, the police busting right behind him. They tackle my dad, and they take him off to prison. Crazy, right? See, this man calls me out and says, stand up. God's going to do all this for you. But what he didn't realize was I was the most timid boy you could ever find. Because that moment scarred me. I didn't know how to function. I would get around men and feel like I, uh, I, I don't know what to say. Because the one man that I thought was supposed to affirm me and tell me I can do it and all these things, he abandoned us. And for some reason, I embodied that. I took that and said it was my fault that he didn't stay. So this guy's calling me out in front of everybody saying God's going to do all this. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, sure. All right, yeah, <laughs> me? You don't know me, sir. Six months go by. Same church, same guest preacher comes in. I'm a little smarter, though. I look and I see him. Oh, okay, he's preaching. I sat on this side of the church in a different role, right? I'm sitting there minding my business like, ha, ha, got you. You don't know where I am now. He's preaching. He's doing his thing. goes, I'll point to a guy this time. Young man, stand up. I'm thinking, this man is crazy, right? Would you just mind your business, right? <laughs> he points me out. Son, I'm telling you, God has a plan for you. He's called you to preach. I'm in the sixth grade. Any sixth graders in here? How many of you know that's an interesting year, right? Sixth grade is different, right? I'm in the sixth grade. This guy is telling me these things. And in my mind, all I'm thinking is, you don't know me, sir. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've walked through. Thank you for your great stories and things. But how do you know that God can do that in me? But isn't it interesting? That as I share this story with you, I stand here as an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I made a decision to follow God's plan and not my own. And God was able to heal and restore and do what only he could do. Listen, God is not asking you to try harder to get here. God is saying, I want you to submit to me, receive this as a gift, and start walking with me as I teach you how to walk in it. And as you do, you mind your business, 
Watch what I'm going to do in your life. You mind my business? Watch where I'll take you. Watch how I'll heal you. Watch how I'll raise you up. Thank you, sir. You can sit down. I want you to hear me tonight. Everybody's story in here is different, but everybody has a story. And the devil tries to lie to each one of us and say, yeah, that's not for you, though. He is the father of lies. I told my wife this. I said, babe, I have to remember when the enemy starts lying to me, I have to remember he's the father of lies. So technically the opposite of everything he says is truth. So if he says this, I actually believe the opposite. That's the truth. Why would he attack me with something if he didn't know the opposite was true? So when he says, yeah, you can't do it. Because see, even at 39 years old, there's times where I start feeling that feeling trying to creep in me. Like, yeah, no, not you, Marcus, no. You're just still that little boy. And you know what? Those are lies. Those are lies. Because you know what God says? He doesn't say you're a little boy. You know what God says about young people? He says, let no one despise or look down on your youth. You know what God says about people who give their lives to him? He says, you are now the righteousness or the rightness of God because of what Christ Jesus has done. So as long as you're in him, in God's eyes, you are righteous. This young man right here, a young preacher, right? We know this already. This young man, how old are you, sir? 13 years old. Preaching on the, are you on Facebook preaching? Where are you at? Facebook preaching real sermons, like blowing my mind. His mom sends me links, like, check this out. I'll get on them, like, oh, that was good. He's 13 years old. Any 13-year-olds in here? Let's begin to close this down. How do you go from where you are to where God wants you to be? Sounds good, doesn't it? Like, oh, yeah, God's got plans for me. Yeah, God's given me gifts. Sounds great. But how do you go from where you are to where God wants you to be? See, something I don't like to do, but I've had to do many times in my life since I've gotten my driver's license is a U-turn, <laughs> a 180. Sometimes I'm driving and my wife's here. I'm, I'm telling the truth. She'll say things like, babe, are you lost? Are we going the right way? Yeah, I'm good. You want me to put it in my phone? No, we've been here many times. I got this. You sure? Here, I'm going to put it in my phone anyway, right? She starts putting it in her phone. Oh, right? And then I realize that once the phone comes on, yep, I'm going the wrong way. But you know what it takes at that point? Me to be humble and say, oh, you're right. I was going the wrong way. Humble myself, and I turn around. You know what I noticed, though? As soon as you turn around... No, 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 no. I don't want to even say it like that because that's not necessarily the truth. As soon as you humble yourself and begin the process of saying, okay, I'm wrong, you're already on the right track. As soon as you make that decision to say, yeah, I'm going the wrong way, you're already on the right track. How many of you know you'll get there so much faster doing a U-turn going the right way than keep going the wrong way? How do I get to where God wants me to be? It starts in your heart saying, Lord, your way is right, my way is wrong. But I want, to, I want to just say this last thing because we're going to pray here in a moment. And I really believe that many of you are going to make a decision to what we call repent. We call it repent because the Bible calls it repent. To turn. Literally, we're turning around from what we were doing and coming to what we know is right. Well, listen, when you make that decision, it's not just a, oh, okay, yeah, I did a couple wrong things. So, yeah, I'm just going to, sorry, God. <laughs> i try harder next time. You can't do it in your own strength. Can everybody hear me? 
You can't do it in your own strength. You can't have a 30-year marriage in your own strength. Come on, somebody. Some of you don't know anything about a 30-year marriage because your, your parents were divorced before you were even old enough to remember. Some of you have healthy parents, healthy homes, but inside your heart you still know, yeah, but there's some things in here i got to turn from so I can get on the right track to mind my own business. You can't do it in your own strength. Leaders, do you hear me? We can't do it in our own strength. We got to pause and say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been trying to work through this COVID thing and make the, the group stay together and, get, and handle it. <sighs> Lord, I'm wrong. Your way is right. I'm turning and I'm going towards you. I want you guys to pray with me, just like we started. I ask you to find those things in your heart. What are those things that you're bringing before the Lord? As I've been preaching, because I know how the Lord works, by the Spirit, he's been speaking things to you. Maybe big things, they may be small things, but he's been speaking. What are those things that the Lord is highlighting to you and saying, hey, it's time to turn. Some of us just a little bit at a time we got off track. Just a little bit of the time at a time we got off track. The Lord is saying, it's time to turn. Because I have things for you. And I want to take you towards those things. But it starts with you making a decision to humble yourself. So with everyone's eyes closed, the worship team is coming up. Nothing, nothing new. Don't let that distract you. What are those things? What is the Lord whispering to you? Oftentimes in an atmosphere like this, you have an opportunity to raise your hand or, you know, go find a leader. And I, I think those things are great. But what often happens is we go find that leader and we confess those things in the sense of, hey, I'm ready to turn from this. And we repent to God. And we walk away. But deep down inside, we know as soon as we get back home, I'm going right back into it. But what if? What if we decided tonight that we're really going to give this to the Lord? What if we decided tonight, because see, God's always willing. He's always ready. What if we decided to say, that's it. I'm turning around and I'm going to follow hard after Jesus. I've been amazed at some of the things that God has done in my life. The reason I like to show a picture of my family every time I come to speak anywhere is because I, I just didn't have that kind of solid family growing up. And guess what? In my own strength, I wouldn't have that. But I, as a husband, as a man of God, am constantly taking my stuff before the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up. I'm constantly coming back to my wife, apologizing when I make mistakes. Why? It's that level of humility before God to say, Lord, I want what you have for me not what the world is trying to sell me. Young people, you're not too young. Let's not let the devil steal some of our prime years to do amazing things for the kingdom of God.
by telling you you're too young. It's impossible. You, you, you're not strong enough yet. You're not. No, no. God is strong enough all the time. And when you humble yourself before him, he exalts you at the right time. He's the one that does these great things, but we have to make true decisions. This is how the gospel, the good news starts. It starts with repentance. We make the decision to say, I'm turning from the way I was living and I'm going hard after God. This is what we're going to do. This is going to be simple. This is not going to be emotional because I want you to be thinking truly about what you're doing. Don't let the music sway your mood. Don't let, oh, my friend got up. Maybe I should get up. None of that, that stuff doesn't work. That doesn't change you. But I'm going to ask leaders to just make some space. Just find some space around the room. Because I believe that there's young people in this place right now who say, yep, this is the week. This is, a matter of fact, this is the time. This is it now. I'm ready to really turn and go after Jesus. And if that's you, young people, if you're in your seat right now and you feel the Holy Spirit just tugging at your heart, you know those things that you might have been thinking through as we prayed. If that's you, and you're saying, this is me. When you go up to your leader, I want you to be honest with your leader. Hey, I want what God has. I want to recognize these things as gifts that he's blessed me with. I want to turn away from the things that are stopping me from doing what he's called me to do. I want to turn away from those things that are just literally in the way. And I want to make room for Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. So young people, if that's you as the worship team just softly plays, if that's you right now and you're ready to do that, if you feel that in your heart, that conviction saying, nah, I'm off track, then just find your leader. Just get up whenever you're ready. Find your leader. Talk directly to your leader. Leaders, I encourage you, pray with your students, but don't just jump right into prayer. Give them an opportunity to to really make that decision to turn. And then you come alongside them, encourage them in that decision, pray with them. And as their leader, let them know, I'm with you in this. You're not by yourself in this. So Father God, we submit our hearts to you. We say thank you for the power of the Spirit of God who <laughs> works in the hearts of men and women, young and old alike. Lord, first we say thank you. Thank you that you are not a liar. That you're not out to deceive us with an empty box. But that you do have gifts for us. And Lord, we want to see them the way you see them. Lord, help us to get our mind off the comparison of the world. Help us to fix our eyes on you. And Lord, I pray over every young person in this room. I pray that these decisions that they make today will be lasting decisions. How do we get from where we are to where you want us to be? Tonight we decide, we make a decision to turn. So if that's young people, now is the time. Go to find your leaders. Let's pray. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.